Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. We have the joy of Beck Gelding speaking to us this morning. Um, continuing our Anchored series this morning. So I'd just love to pray for you, Beck. Father, thank you for Beck. Thank you for her and her family. We ask your blessing on them today. And we pray for Beck as she comes to speak to us this morning. Thank you for what she's prepared. Thank you that her heart is to speak your words and for us to hear them. So we pray for her in that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Rookie mistake. Good morning. Um, today, we, we are continuing that series uh, on being anchored in our faith in uncertain times. Uh, and the topic for today is connection. And the story that came to mind, I don't know if you ever dreamt about what family life would be like when you were a child, but I really love the sound of music. And so I kind of always hoped that my family would be really musical, like the Von Trapp family, and we might like blissfully play music together. Um, and I kind of prodded my children, they're um, now in year seven and year five, but as of this week, but last at the end of last year, year four and year six, they were both in the school band program. So I had one learning French horn and one learning clarinet because I thought that would complement with me knowing the flute and my husband that plays the bass. Um, and so I printed out during lockdown, I printed out some music, like a four part music because I thought, oh, that's a good family activity. They wouldn't have a bar of it. They, d they didn't want to play with our family. But just before the end of the year, because they hire the instruments, so they had to give it back. Um, just before the end of the year, I was like, come on, guys, it's almost Christmas. We have Christmas music. This is our last chance. So they humored me and we all got out. We had our music. We sat in a circle. There was clearly diversity. We had all the different instruments. I'm like, okay, we're all on the same page. We're going to play Oh Christmas Tree. I counted us in. We started and it was like really, really bad. We got to the end of the song and my son was like, oh, I'm only halfway through, like just like, and, and the, the dynamics were like really loud and then really, I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're just trying to mess it up. Um, and I remember thinking, you know what we need? We need a conductor. We need someone that we can all be looking to that will keep us in time, but we'll also be saying, okay, now it's your turn to come in. Okay, now it's your turn. Um, because we practiced a few times and even then after we'd sort of heard it all, then I realized, oh, well that bit only my daughter plays. So I'm like, this is all you. And she took it as a chance to be like, what Oak Christmas Tree really needs is an improvisational solo that's kind of atonal and arrhythmical that apparently afterwards she just said, you're, you're just not sophisticated enough to appreciate my music, mum. Anyway. We, we put away the music and, and it might not resurface. Um, but the reason that I'm sharing that story uh, is because I think the same is kind of true for us in the church. We need the diversity. We need all the different people playing their different instruments. But we can't do that on our own. The way in which we have one mind is if we all look to Jesus and he's the conductor. And he's the one that says, okay, now it's time for you to come in. Now it's, okay, shh, shh. 
That's a bit loud. Okay, you guys be a bit louder. Um, and so that is the pitch that um, I'm really carrying throughout this talk today. We're going to be talking about diversity and unity and how those two work together and also about spurring each other on, which is a big thing in scripture. So while all of these topics, you might be thinking, yeah, I've heard of, like we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 and people are like, yeah, I'm really familiar with that passage. I think I can tune out. I really hope that um, God will speak to your heart today in a fresh way, that you'll come away with one new thing that you're going to implement um, in your walk with him. So if you have your Bibles, if you're at home, you can press pause and run and get it, um, or get out your phones if it's on your phone. We're looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, and now it's a metaphor for uh, the body of Christ. And picking up from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. And then Paul launches into specific examples of parts of the body. And for this passage, I want us to really jump into it. So we are all going to be ears, and the ears are right in the middle here. The eyes are over here. It's a weird face. And this is where the nose is, right? So we are all the ears, and we're going to pick it up from verse 16. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Now, have you ever had that thought cross your mind? Yeah, I don't really belong. When you've walked in the door, you've thought, mm, something about this, I, I don't belong. I just want you to know that's a lie, that you need to counter that with the truth, that you are meant to be here. You do belong. Same with you online. Um, so first point, even if you've thought that, it doesn't stop you from being part of the body. But if you're thinking, I don't belong because you're an ear and not an eye, there could be two reasons for that. Either in your head, you're thinking, I've got to be an eye in order to belong. Or you're thinking, why aren't the eyes more like me? Like people should be like me, then I would belong. Does that make sense? There's kind of two ways to, to think about it. And Paul addresses both of them because he says, if everyone were an eye, then we would have no ears. We would have no one bringing the gifts and the personality and the thoughts and the feelings and everything that you are. We would have no one bringing that if everybody was the vanilla eye. Does that make sense? But similarly, you could say, well, if everyone was an ear, then we have no noses. We have no one smelling. We need smells too. Well, not bad smells, but you know. Um, so we need diversity within the church. And this might be a bit of a tangent, but does anyone watch Lego Masters? A few, a few, okay. Don't, don't mention it to Katie and Mike Sparkles because I'm a bit scared that Lego Faster would be like <laughs> just mayhem. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to go back and watch the, Chris, the family service, the Christmas or the Easter, where Tina and um, where the Katie and Mike Sparkles, Sparkles just shine. Um, but so in, in Lego Masters, 
there's a there's brick man he's like the expert lego brick person and he they use all these acronyms and one of them is npu anyone know what it means no one silence okay it's nice part usage it's when you take a piece of lego and lego if you haven't played for a while isn't just all those standard blocks anymore they get them all weird shapes and everything so you can even get a piece of lego that looks like a croissant like it's an actual round piece that clicks onto a plate and so if you had a croissant piece you would normally have it on a plate and that's what it would be but if you do NPU, nice part usage, it's when you take the croissant piece and you put it on someone's head and then it's some nice hair. Or you can make a little bunny. I've seen this. It has little croissant arms, but they don't look like croissants anymore. They look like arms because they're on the bunny. Um, you can decorate buildings with them. And so I really feel, this is a bit of a tangent, but I really feel that there are some people here who think, well, I'm a croissant. I might do... Hospitality, for example, it could be any gift, but say my thing is hospitality and I really loved serving morning tea after church and I haven't been able to do that for almost two years now. But God is wanting to take you as the croissant and put you into a new context. He's not changing who you are. He just wants to place you in a new environment in which he can use you because in verse 9, no, it's not 19, it is 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He's the master builder that places us where we need to be. And so we need diversity. We can't be looking to others to say, we, we can't be trying to be like others and we can't be expecting everyone to be like us. God has created us differently. Um, you just need to look around to realize that. But all of us need to play our part. And if we're in the orchestra, we're all on different instruments, but if one person is out of tune, then the whole thing's gonna sound bad. And so that brings us to unity because diversity isn't enough. You actually need unity to sound good in a band. Uh, now, the other thing to point out with this passage is this image of the body um, being an organization, uh, being the church, was also um, often used in Paul's day as a metaphor for wider society. It was a really common metaphor. And even like hundreds of years before Socrates' student, I found this random letter, Socrates' student wrote to someone and they were like arguing and he's, he's saying, well, well, it's in like ancient Greek, so this is a massive paraphrase and I don't read ancient Greek, so anyway. Um, two feet, if you, if you had a body and two feet are not walking in sync, then you're not going to be able to get anywhere. If you have two hands and they're not working together, you're not going to be pick, able to pick up anything. So these kind of metaphors that Paul uses is really common in the thinking of the day. But what they're used to thinking is, well, when they talk about the, the head and the eyes, um, they're really the superior. They're the leaders of society. They're the elite. The when they talk about hands and feet, well, they're the slaves. They're the servants. They're the lower ends of society. And so Paul also, just like Jesus does, picks up a common theme, but then flips it um, under the kingdom. And so in verse 21, it says, and now we're talking on unity, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So Paul is really keen to point out that while in the world, the heads and the eyes may be the ones in charge, in the church, we need everyone. And we do this because in verse 25, we do this so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So I really struggled as I was preparing this message for how that fits. When you say no division, like the word is like schism, no tearing apart. But I really struggle, how are you meant to live in harmony with people, but then in reality, there's conflict? Like it's just, is it just meant that you're meant to like be a doormat and just let people like do whatever they want? It just didn't seem right. And I was really struggling with how those ideas fit together. Uh, and God showed me the, the verse Proverbs um, 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Uh, in the uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word there, sharpens another, is actually spurs on a friend. And so if you think about a spur, it's actually something that digs into the side of a horse to like make them go faster. I always thought spur on is like cheer on, but it's not really. Like if you're spurring on someone, you're actually kind of digging into the side of them. And every other time that is translated in the Old Testament, it's actually like provoke, like the Israelites provoked God into anger. So they're really pushing his buttons. Uh, and the other place that spurs on is, um, does, uh, the other place that it's used is in Hebrews 10, uh, chapter 20, uh, Hebrews 10, verse 24. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, that is such a weird thing that you spur someone on, you, you dig them in the side of the horse, you, you dig them in the side so that they go on towards love and good deeds. And I was asking God, how does that fit with this idea of having one mind, like being all together, living in harmony? And it's almost as if that that one, the one mind, the, the word that's used for one mind in the New Testament is rushing along in unison. And it's almost a musical term. And this is the definition that came out of um, one of the apps I was reading. The image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded, which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. As the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concertmaster, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of the members of Christ Church. I read that after I had that whole like picture of the thing. I was like, oh. So I didn't come up with the whole orchestra thing. That was, yeah, anyway. Um, so, but how does this one mind, all thinking of Jesus, how does that fit in with Spur On? I don't know if you've ever seen a band playing, but if you are, um, if you're early on in learning, or if you're seeing the, the kids play, they're all, well, some of them are watching the conductor. If the conductor 
is trying to give directions to the person next to you and they're not paying attention, do you know what they do? They give the elbow or maybe they poke or maybe they just whisper. But that's what we're meant to do. That's spurring on. We're looking at Jesus. He's giving directions. We're following him. We see that he's talking to the person next to us. Oh, they're not paying attention. Hey, hey, I, it's time. It's time to go. You've got to do your thing. Does that make sense? So following on from that then, I felt like God put something on my heart that I was meant to like give you all an elbow with. Is that okay? Because I'm a little bit nervous about this bit. So following on from that verse in Hebrews, it says, um, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now that jumped out to me because I've been listening to a book called Good Habits, Bad Habits by a um, scientist in the US, uh, love audiobooks. So it was talking about with habits, the context is really important. The habits themselves actually make us function more easily because there's a lot of stuff that we do that we don't have to consciously think about if it's a habit. Um, for example, two years ago, when you would have come to church, you'd walk in the door, you'd see people milling around, you'd have the chance to bump into them, you'd see their faces and go, oh, hey, and you might think, oh, I was praying for you this week, and you might give them an encouraging, you know, you'd, prompt, you'd be prompted by seeing them. You'd come into the church, there might be ministry time, people would stand up, they'd go to the cross, they'd come out the front, you're prompted, oh, there's a need, I'll go and help. Uh, similarly, um, Oh, that one just left my brain. I don't know what that one was. Um, but, but now, it's, it's been two years since church was really like that. Now I think we've gotten into some new habits. Some are good. Some need some work. Um, and specifically, I was thinking of anyone that's online, is that what, that one, um, watching at home. Because I know when I've done church at home, if I'm sitting in my lounge room, watching the TV, watching church, the same way that I watch YouTube, then my brain is automatically in the habit of watching YouTube as a consumer. I'm sitting back, I'm watching, I get distracted, but that's okay. You know, I'm not really invested in really trying to connect. And that might not be you, but I do know that if that is um, a habit, that in order to break it, we really need to be intentional with forming new habits. And there's a few ways you can do that. You could change your context. So instead of watching it in the same lounge space, maybe you watch it in a different room, sit in a different chair, drink from a different mug, whatever it takes. Get out your Bible and spit it in front of you. Um, maybe use the, the other way is stacking habits. So if you hear... Um, if you have one thing that happens, you just tie in a habit to that um, thing that's happening. So, for example, the, the start music, the, um, the, the countdown for the five minutes, why not use that as a prompt to start praying? Oh, Lord, how do you want me to connect today? Who do you want me to encourage? Do you have a Bible verse that I can bring to share with anyone? Um, and similarly, with people that are coming um, in person, as you enter those gates as you come into church, Lord, who is it that you want me to connect with? As we, as we worship and pray, don't wait for the opportunity for ministry time. 
but actually be praying and, and being intentional about ways to connect with each other. Um, so, yeah. So I really feel that as we, as we choose to stay anchored and steadfast in Jesus this year, we need all of us to play our part. And for some, it might be a while since you've picked up your instrument. Some of you might not even know what your instrument or your part is. For others, I feel like God is giving you some new songs to play. It's still you, you're still playing them, but it's going to stretch you a little bit. But I want to leave time now for the Holy Spirit really to speak to each heart, to show us what our next step is, maybe reveal some of those bad habits or new habits that he wants to form in us. So I'm going to finish with a verse from Romans 15, verse 5. This is um, a blessing, a prayer that Paul prays over the Roman church. And I feel, I just feel like it's for us in this season, particularly because it starts with the God who gives endurance and encouragement And I don't think there's ever been a season in life where I've needed more endurance and encouragement. So verse 5, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind rushing together in unison and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't we stand? Lord, I thank you that your spirit is with us. Lord, I pray that you would show us what our next step is. Lord, what is it that you want to change in us? Lord, we don't want to be consumers anymore. We want to be connectors. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.